2: Welcome in. Rob Black and your money. I'm Rob Black. Talking money, talking investing. I'll talk home builder confidence if I have to to get us to the point of understanding how we stand economically. If the economy is working and jobs are being created. Wall Street tends to fall into place. And that tends to happen more often than not. But. That doesn't stop people from making mistakes, and one of the biggest mistakes I've run into is people failing to save for retirement or putting together anything that kind of resembles a plan. I get maxing out your 401k and living life, but at some point in time, you've got to do a little bit more than that. Let's bring on CFP Chad Burton, New Focus Financial. You can find him at newfocusfinancial.com, a lot of great downloads. And uh, information on seminars and lots of good stuff at his website, com. Chad, how are you?
3: Doing well. How about you?
2: I'm doing well. Thanks for asking. It's uh, yeah. another rosy day. So <laughs> I woke up. I didn't die in my sleep, so I'm, I'm, I'm ahead. That's always good. So let's talk a little bit about um, people not putting together a plan and people not saving for retirement. And again, like I said, is it okay to max out your 401k in your 20s and 30s and maybe you know, put off the well a little bit, maybe put off you know the the college funding a little bit, maybe put off the five year retirement plan, or am I being um too too light on those people? <laughs>
3: well, it sounds like you're doing one of the the mistakes, and if I kind of list out some of them, I mean obviously a lot of it has to do with failing to get help because you listed off you listed off all of these various goals that you might even be thinking about in your own world, rob but If you don't get any help to kind of help you get through the emotional side of, of financial planning, you fail to think ahead and actually define your goals, and then you start procrastinating. And then people sometimes, once they do get started, even if they do it on their own, they end up having unrealistic expectations, or they use bad rules of thumb. Uh, sometimes they get excited and they'll get started and make the first investments or finally add to their 401k, but then they never follow up again, so no follow up is a big one. And then obviously, you know emotional investing um, uh, is a huge problem out there. Once people actually have money, emotional investing mistakes is one of the bigger ones um, once they have you know actually gotten started.
2: Let's start with number one on your list: failing to get help. Um, Give me a little bit more color on why you think people should get help, and let's see if I can reboot it or agree with it.
3: Well, yeah. Sometimes, uh, you know, I've got that you know 15 things you do you can do before you need a financial advisor to help people get started in their 20s, 30s. But once you're in your 40s, typically, or you know, like me, starting in your 20s. Um, having kids or running a business, dealing with taxes, dealing with uh, stock options at work, jumping jobs, rolling 401ks, uh, whether or not you're saving enough for retirement versus saving enough to send your kids to school, what type of insurance do you need because your buddy down the street is trying to sell you an insurance policy as an investment. And all of these things start getting thrown at you. Um, and so if you don't go to a fee-only advisor that is, acts as a fiduciary with your best interest in mind, then you're basically working with a bunch of salesmen, and people end up with horrible product in you know 20 different places, and they have zero defined goals. So if you go to the right help and you, and you get somebody that's trying to help you get through the emotions of what you're dealing with, and prioritize your many financial goals that are out there, whether it's saving for retirement or protecting your family or saving for college, you got to get some help and then think ahead and define the goals and then list them in order of importance and then try to just knock some of those goals off each meeting each year.
2: So thinking ahead and defining goals, you kind of, kind of blended two of those together. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. uh, procrastination, that is probably... I got lucky, Chad. I'm going to be honest with you. Um, I started thinking about money when I was 18. I was in a car crash. Someone rear-ended me. I got a cash settlement, and then I kind of started seeing you know, my dad's health go down, and everything kind of just clicked in my head, time to start right now. Um, But I was lucky, Um, but I could have procrastinated. I probably would have procrastinated because in your 20s, you don't have a lot of disposable income lying around after you you know, enjoy life. Now, if you don't enjoy life as well, you probably have more income lying around than you had before. Yeah, and
3: I got lucky because I grew up broke and everybody around me was broke and single mom working her butt off. So I had to buy everything from clothes and school to everything else. So money became real to me at a very, very young age. And then I got, uh, you know, kind of uh, pulled into the business at a very, very young age and seeing what happens to people, whether they, they save enough later in retirement or not at all. Um, so areas of procrastination, waiting to save. If you start, you know, right out of college at 22, 10% of pay um, to 15% of pay gets you to retirement. But if you wait until you're 40 to start saving, if you want to retire at 70, you got to save 20% of pay. And most families can't afford to save 20% of what they make and then live in the Bay Area. Um, the other area of procrastination is those that are getting close to retirement, say 10 years to five years out. If they wait to transition their portfolio from the growth phase to the accumulation phase, that procrastination, if they don't do it at the right time and then the market happens to go through a significant correction right when they want to retire, guess what? Their retirement's gonna be put off for five years at a minimum. So you got you have to make sure that you as you get close to retirement, you're not procrastinating in terms of changing to an accumulation from accumulation to an income based portfolio or a distribution based. Not not investing in income only securities, but transitioning your strategy. And then another big one is never tracking expenses. If you don't track expenses, I'm not talking about budgeting, but just going back every year and saying, okay, where did I spend money and how, um, You, it's really hard to define goals like how much do I need for retirement and how much can I spend in retirement. So don't procrastinate on that either.
2: Okay, I'm with you. So let's uh, move to unrealistic expectations now. A lot of people... In the 1990s, so they saw stocks go up a lot. They'd see Yahoo go from 40 to 60 in a day, to 65 the next day, to 100 the following week, to 200, to 225, to 250. It kind of got addicting, you know. You know, it was fun. And back when my dad was investing and I was just a child, it wasn't fun. It was boring. There was not there was no .dot com stocks. There's no big moves. It was a slow grind. Mm. Stockbrokers were boring, not sexy. Let's talk about unrealistic expectations. That's when
3: people made all their money in the eighties and in the uh, bull market in the nineties too until it became a tech bubble. Um and just investing in really, really good companies. People right now have unrealistic pay- expectations in terms of they go on and use online retirement calculators and they're plugging in rates of return like eight to ten percent. And yeah, that's what stocks have done over twenty, thirty, forty years, but um you don't just have US stocks, you have other investments, like as you get close to retirement, fixed income, which is at historically low rates. So if you're plugging in numbers above six and a half, seven percent 7% and you're really close to retirement and that's how you're expecting your money's gonna last, you're setting yourself up for potential failure if we have long-term slow growth or long-term low interest rates. Um, and unrealistic expectations, too, kind of blend into the emotional investing and you get these people that Panic out at the bottom, but then they get okay. super greedy at the top, and they're just—they're—they're they're, they're, instead of having an even line, they're all in or all out. They're asking to be more aggressive when when they should actually be trimming some. Um, and you
2: just do gotta you, have a policy. Do you want to do you want to stick around for another segment? Oh, I gotta run. Oh, thank okay. you. Okay, then we will see you soon. Thanks very much. CFP Chad Burton, Retirement Income in Strategies and Estate Planning Seminar coming up February 9th, 11 a.m. to 1. It's a lunchtime event, Doubletree by Hilton Berkeley Marina Hotel. You can sign up. It's $25, but it's free if you use the radio code RETIRE123. And uh, we'll see you there. You can sign up at newfocusfinancial.com. That's newfocusfinancial.com.
1: Now, 800 516 That's 800 516 1220. Now, back to Rob Black and your money on AM 1220 KDOW.
2: Welcome in. Rob Black here, my name Rob Black, talking all things financial money invested in more. Got an event coming up. Retirement income strategies and estate planning seminar, at Berkeley, California, February 9th from 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. at the Doubletree by Hilton Berkeley Marina Hotel. Uh, cost is $25. Lunch is served, but as radio listeners, you can get in for free by using the retirement code or the code for radio users, retire123. Um, so the cost of events are going up this year. But I'll try to protect the radio people who have been so very good to me over the last 20-plus years. This will be a good event, talking about how complicated retirement is. Chad and I were just talking on the air about, you know, people not saving, to, uh, not saving for retirement. There's other issues that bother me and, and just crush me is, you know, I've got a family member who hasn't really worked in three years. He was kind of working for a year and a half, but he wasn't making money. He was um, trying to close deals that weren't closing. So he was in that kind of business. And then for the last year and a half, he's been flat out, out of work. Um, that's a disaster. That is a, so, you know, that's not only is that not financially, you know, procrastinating does it fall into that area, but it's, it's draining your savings and being out of the workforce for two to three years in the highly competitive coastal job market, you get old. And, uh, friend of mine is, uh, he was a game designer, and he recently told me, like, I'm getting out of game design. I'm going back to the the world of work. And uh, I'm like, okay, game design is very competitive. Um, I get it. He's an engineer. He's got those skills. That's awesome. But he's going back to, you know, the real world. And I said, so what's the real world looking like out there? And he's like, it's looking like they're hiring older people like me to kind of babysit two or three younger people. Those aren't exact words, but it was in that kind of vein. And he asked me about Wealthfront, one of the companies he's thinking about working for. And I said, Wealthfront's great. I've got no problems with Wealthfront. Um, I said, but they'll be gone in the next three to five years. They'll be acquired by somebody. He's like, that's not the worst thing. Uh, so there you go. You know, I, I, I don't know what work-related Um, stories you have. I've I've got hundreds of them. You know, I work at a television station where I don't need the job, but other people do. And in television, it's a a market that, just like radio, has been decimated by the internet and by choices. A lot of backstabbing in the news game. I mean, you have to watch your back. I used to get into radio and television and, you know, people's cars had eight track players and cassette players and then CD players and now you can bring a stick with you know podcasts or uh, movies or you know thousands and thousands of your favorite songs Um, I haven't seen a car with Wi-Fi I haven't been in a car with Wi-Fi yet but it's common that'll be kind of a everyone will have kind of thing so um, so it's a competitive world and I talk to people in the TV business, like, hey, what are you going to do if the station goes down? Because at some point, I imagine it well. Um, you know, they'll flip a format. Someone like Google will say, you know, we want to get into TV or Facebook well. Uh, and old news, maybe it'll move from San Francisco to Sacramento, uh, where costs are lower. Uh, you get the idea. So uh, there's two... You don't want to procrastinate when you're in that position of you need to work for another 10 15 20 25 30 years taking that two or three years off like i told you a family member of mine has it's financially devastating he's gonna work till the day he dies and because he lives in la he never bought a house because he's always been like four hundred thousand dollars for a house is too expensive five hundred thousand dollars a house is too expensive six hundred thousand is too expensive then he got up to about 1.5 million and he's too old now um so that's a bit of a problem some of the areas that are, you know, painful is when you procrastinate. Uh, procrastination hits a lot of things. You know, it's waiting to save, it's waiting to transition your portfolio, it's never tracking expenses. I will be very honest with you. I'm not perfect at all this, um, and you know, I have a budget. And some months I'm really tight with it, and some months I kind of blow it. I tend to mess up my budget on expensive things like vacations. So I start with the idea of, hey, sugar booger, let's go to Mexico. And she goes, okay, I'll wear something skimpy. I'm like, okay. And then I price flights, no problem. I price, oh, hotels are a little more expensive this time around than last time. Actually, hotels are cheaper this time around than last time because the pesos are getting crushed. But, and then you get into, oh, I forgot about transportation. Oh, I forgot. I don't like authentic Mexican food. I like American Mexican food. Um, so it's going to be a little bit more pricey for me down there. Oh, I got sick. I heard Panama, for the record. Does anyone know if this is true? Um, does Panama make people who come to the country buy health insurance at the airport? And then basically when you get sick, it's, it's all covered. Sounds like a great idea, doesn't it? Um, wouldn't always work out perfect, but it's a great idea. So anyway, track your expenses and try to stick to a budget. Um... And if there's areas, you know, you have problems, uh, catch them. For instance, and here's another area where I have a problem. I'm kind of a meat snob. If I'm going to eat meat, I want it to be nice as possible. So I'd prefer to go to a butcher or a high-end grocery. Um, And I'm pretty sure, I'm pretty sure at some point in my life that, you know, the lower end, like, luckies, um, I'm pretty sure that the, the pork there doesn't have, like, hair on it or anything horrible. But in my head, it does. So, I know you're saying I can't get that image out of my... I can't get that image out of my hairy eyeball. Um, I know. Uh, I do remember eating chicken, though, once, where there's a lot of chicken hair left on the skin. And I'm like, that just grossed me out. And yet, chicken hair, chicken feathers, whatever, don't correct me. Never, ever let the facts get in the way of a good story. So, um, realistic expectations and emotional investing mistakes. Um, You know, in the late 80s and early 90s, there was a saving and loans thrift scandal. And my brother Michael is older than me, and he'd been saving uh, at that point in time. And he didn't save much. He had just worked for the CDC for a couple years, so he had a 401k or 403b or something going. And uh, so it's going along nicely, and there's a big correction because banks are starting to fail. And he packed and got out. And then the stock market from 1992 to 2000 had its best eight years ever. Had he stayed in, he would have made money hand over fist uh, early on in his investing career. Now, he probably would have got greedy during that period of time. But in the late 80s, early 90s, he got fearful. And emotions have no place. I say in relationships um, and, and investing. You know, in my relationships, they haven't always been successful because I'm like... Hey, honey, how are you, sugar booger? Let's go to Mexico. We will have a swell time. All <laughs> right? Try not to get, get too emotional. It leads you to trouble. And then babies. And then babies cost a lot of money. And college for babies cost a lot of money because you don't want them living with you forever. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial. Find me at robblackshow.com.
1: Six twelve twenty. That's 800-516-1220 Now, back to Rob Black and your money on AM 1220
2: KDOW I would call Wall Street working off of guarded optimism right now. There's financials got kind of rolled over yesterday. Rolled over like a puppet dog. Scratch its belly, scratch its belly. But when stocks are all over. It's not a good thing. Not as good as rubbing a puppy's belly. Morgan Stanley had better than expected results. Um, That's nice. Uh, Goldman Sachs, Citigroup, and U.S. Bancorp all reported results, and they all topped expectations. Uh, Goldman Sachs had the biggest earnings beat. Citigroup is down a bit. U.S. Bancorp a little changed. Target issued an they had an inline quarter, but they issued some downward guidance for the rest of the year. CSX, uh, choo-choo, train company, had a disappointing operating ratio. Cameco, which makes uranium, which is wonderful if you want to make up things that blow people up. Um, they had some conservative unit revenue guidance. United Continental, for its first quarter, They said uh, better than expected fourth quarter results, but um, they kind of issued some revenue guidance that's conservative for the first quarter, but fourth quarter was good. So we saw the consumer price index come out. It was right in line with expectations. Not a lot of inflation. Gasoline had the highest kick as far as costing more on a month-over-month basis. So the 12-month increase is up about 2.1%. And the Fed starts getting nervous somewhere between 2 to 4% inflation. So your dollar is buying you 2% less than it did a year ago. Now, again, in gas, it's 3% less kind of idea. In shelter, it's uh, one-third of 1%. So there's little tinkers here and there uh, that you have to kind of tickle these numbers to kind of make them make sense to you. So, elsewhere out there, if I may jump to another topic, as I want to do, um, one of the areas that we don't know about, and it's impossible to, well, you can assume, but assuming is not exactly like written in stone, right? But we're seeing mortgage loan rates dip on fixed rate loans. But there's a story here, the FHA premium... Drop is igniting mortgage refinancing, uh, but applications overall are flat. Total mortgage application volume, basically flat. It rose eight-tenths of 1%, uh, so less, less than 1%. Applications to refinance a home have been falling dramatically since the presidential election. When interest rates took off, uh, last week was a little different. Refinance volume rose 7% for the week. Volume is still down sharply from the end of last year. Home buyers not impressed by the FHA move. Mortgage applications to purchase a home fell 5% for the week. Mortgage rates fell slightly. Um, so that's what we got going on in real estate. Let's bring on Tony Mendez, talk a little bit more color on what's going on in the real estate and mortgage markets. Joining me now, Tony Mendez, Bay Area com. That's Bay Area com. He's my lender. He's done a couple loans for me in the past few years. I bring that up because I trust him. I bring that up because I think you can trust him. He does a great job of packaging scenarios for you and showing you your options, whether I definitely don't want a seven-year one arm, I want a 30-year, he'll show you the 30, the 15, and the seven one, because that's his job, to show you your options. Um, One of the things that I was surprised about the 2013 government shutdown was some of the stories that came along that said, getting a a mortgage is going to be tougher because the IRS is shut down. Getting a mortgage is going to be tougher because um, we verify wages as well. Um, we be in the mortgage industry. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a little bit. I think people don't. They're not prepared with how much paperwork there is. Yeah. And how much different. How many different sources you have to go to. So I think it's incredibly rude for someone to shop a lender because once they shop, you start doing this process where you're calling 20 to 30 different people on their behalf.
4: And it's not just the amount of paperwork that you have to go through to actually get the appropriate quote. It's the amount of work that we have to do on the uh, ECOA, for example. They they make us put out these disclosures every time. If I give you a quote, I have to give you a disclosure. So, yeah, it's a lot more difficult. Uh, there was a Mortgage bankers Association. They do this uh, rating on how difficult it is to get a mortgage. And an index is at 101 approximately. They uh, they estimated that back in 2006, 2007, at the peak of the real estate market back then, uh, it would have been at 800. So that's how much harder it's gotten, higher number being easier. And it's, only, it's, it's going down. So we're going to see a lot more difficult guidelines come up. We have lenders that are implementing this year already some of the qualified mortgage rules that are coming up in 2014, January, which we expect to be fully implemented by then and expected for lenders to follow these rules. Um, but, yeah, during the 2013 shutdown, it was, it was, it made it even more difficult. We had this thing called a 4506 uh, IRS transcript request. That got delayed. Um, and but Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac, FHA, they said, okay, we'll, we'll, we'll ease the guidelines and say, okay, just give us tax returns. We'll be okay with that. Um, but it did become a more difficult. And this is just the theme that we're going to see throughout 2014 and beyond. It's pretty, it, they're similar standards to what they were before
2: 2000. The 2000s was a different era, Rob. It was a very strange era. We're let going me put, back to the norm. Let me put that in perspective. 2000s. You can get $600,000 by basically initialing two pieces of paper. Liar loans. At that point in time, the lender would say, okay, I'm going to go start filling out numbers. You know how they did liar loans, right? No, tell me. Um,
4: so you give them your type of work, and they would yeah. go to this website, and it would have this graph. It says that if you've been this long, you get paid this much, and then it goes like that, and they pick the highest number, and they use that as your income. Okay. so stated income loan.
2: Was it ever so egregious, like, liar loans were good for, like, football players who, they don't care. They just want to get the money. Um, did you ever get things like people like me saying, yeah, Tony, I, I, I pitch for the, the San Francisco Giants? Did you ever get liars like that? Or was it more inflationary What
4: you typically saw, and this is where Subprime really came into a, um, dug people into a hole, was they would literally make up jobs for people. Did I just show you the email I got the other day from, it was a business card that, that people are still handing out. It says, we will make up a W-2 for you and verify the job. So it was essentially like that. They were making, they were making up jobs. They were just doing what they call ver- uh, verbal verifications. So you could give the lender a phone number for your buddy. They would call that and the guy would go, oh yeah, this guy does a lawn care for me. He's been doing it for three years. Boom. There's your income. Yeah. Um, and those are liar loans. Those are stated income loans. And it was very, 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 Skeptical. I mean, it, it just—it it just made so many more people qualify for home loans. It drove home prices up. It was the first thing that I saw when I came to California. Is that why would why would people get teaser? Not only that, you could get teaser loans. It would start one percent NEGAM loans, and you could go up to a hundred percent financing. It was crazy.
2: Okay, so how do you prepare somebody? Because I freak out every time I do a loan. Um, I whenever I buy a house, I pay someone to sign for me. Like I, I, yeah, you know, I, I give them credit because I don't like going through all that paperwork. Quite honestly, it's the toughest part of my
4: job is to is to hide people from this the red tape that they have to go through. It's becoming harder and harder and harder. Now I know I want to say that I'm the best. I get loans done, you know. Everybody's heard of my commercial, but it's, you know, it, I get loans I get done. I get loans done. Uh, you know, and that's getting harder. It's actually it's I get loans done, but it's harder to keep people from seeing like the lender asking for multiple types of transactions, you know, deposits now. If you have a deposit at an
2: ATM, they want that check. Oh, I know that happened to me. They want that check. Um, I deposit large amounts. If, and when I was doing a refi, they're like, "Why were you depositing six thousand um, dollars?" And I had to go like, I, "I don't remember." And that came up with Dodd Frank.
4: There's a lot oh. of um, anti uh, laundry, money laundering rules that came up as well, and that, that is now forcing lenders to look at things like that. So, the overregulation that we had as a result from the um, the real estate crash is really making it tough on people now.
2: So be prepared. If you do a refi, if you buy a home, it's going to take some time. Know that the lender is working their butts off for you. I get calls from Tony on occasion where he's just frustrated that a loan's not getting funded yet because he needs one more thing. So it's going to be it's a freaky experience for me, for you, for everyone. That's Tony Mendez. You can find him online at BayAreaLoanSource.com. That's BayAreaLoanSource.com. So two of President-elect Donald Trump's cabinet picks, along with Republican lawmakers. They're kind of talking about some of the changes they want to make, and one of them is to basically cut out government guarantees on insurance, not on insurance, but on mortgages. Um, get rid of Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac. Making changes to the housing market carries a lot of political risk if homebuyers can't obtain affordable mortgages. They turn against the Republicans who would bring about that change. About 71% of homes purchased and refinances in October of last year used a 30-year fixed-rate mortgage. Uh, Ben Carson, who was Trump's nominee to be Secretary of the Department of Housing and Urban Development, told senators last week that the 30-year mortgage could survive without a government guarantee. He said the private market could take on much of the responsibility. Um, Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac were created by the government and spun off as shareholder corporations for years They've been the foundation of the housing market. So when the housing market melted down in 2008, the government spent $187 billion bailing out Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac. But they've since become very profitable and uh, given the government $250 billion plus in dividends for the $187 for bailing them out. So Steve Munchen says that Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac should absolutely be privatized. Some mortgage investors and others in the housing industries will expect at least now an overhaul. So that can change the value of your home and the decision to buy a home or not. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Find me online at Rob Black Show, Twitter Rob Black Show, YouTube Rob Black Show. Always have a seminar coming up right around the corner. Got one coming up in Berkeley. Coming up on the 9th of February, it's a lunch event. Sign up at robblackshow.com. It's easy to get complacent about retirement planning when the stock market is soaring to record highs. But it's a marathon, not a sprint. To win the race, you need to take the right steps along the way. Learn winning strategies from me, Rob Black, and certified financial planner, Chad Burton, at an educational lunch event in Berkeley on February 9th. We'll cover the building blocks of a successful portfolio and break down the 2017 market outlook. You'll also learn how to transition your portfolio from the accumulation phase to the income phase, which accounts to draw from first, how to minimize tax and retirement, social security strategies, and more. And get estate planning tips for 2017 from attorney Michelle Lerman. That's Thursday, February 9th, 11 a.m. lunch at the Berkeley Marina Doubletree. Sign up at newfocusfinancial.com for just $25 or free for KDOW listeners using the promo code retire123. Hope to see you Thursday, February 9th. Once again, sign up at newfocusfinancial.com, free for KDOW listeners using promo code retire123. But you so
3: carefully, let's start living dangerously. So-
1: Black online at robblack.com. Now, back to Rob Black and your money on AM 1220 KDOW.
2: Welcome in. Textbook sales have tumbled. Bumbled, stumbled, rumbled, bumbled, tumbled, fell. Boom. Berk, 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 berk. I'm so happy that Chris Berman's leaving ESPN with a reduced role. The world's largest education company, Pearson, has withdrawn its profit goal for 2018 after sales of materials for higher education dropped 30%. Blah, 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 blah. But you get into it, and what you're seeing is dwindling U.S. college enrollments and declines in testing businesses. I wonder if there's more to that story. Dwindling college enrollments. That doesn't feel right, does it? But then again, I don't have a kid near college, Right. Gold is doing something it hasn't done since 2011. It's moving higher. That's so it's gold. risen in. Gold. in gold. Oh, thank you. It's risen in 13 of the past 15 sessions. Speaking of Jerry, Jerry Seinfeld signs a big deal to move his comedians in cars and do two big events in 2017 for Netflix. Um, company continues to rock and roll. They're the Ayatollahs of rock and roll. More on Netflix and Uno Momentero. So, U.S. is accusing J.P. Morgan of mortgage discrimination in a lawsuit. The U.S. government has filed a lawsuit accusing J.P. Morgan Chase of discriminating against thousands of Black Hispanic mortgage borrowers from 2006 through 2009. The bank is being charged that minority borrowers higher mortgage rates. So they gave the bank they gave minorities higher interest rates on their mortgages and fees during that period compared to similarly situated white borrowers. I can't believe that. I'm sure it can happen. But that takes some cojones to let someone's color of skin determine what sort of fees and interest rates they get. Um, Cajones is Spanish for... I think it's eyeballs? I like the way you say that. So GM's $1 billion investment. You know how we heard about... uh, That whole shenanigans driven by Donald Trump, and it's something I brought up yesterday when I was talking to um, Patrick O'Hare from briefing.com, probably was not driven by Donald Trump, the $1 billion investments bringing some employees back. So Trump takes credit for it, Um, pulling back 5,000 jobs, creation of another, retention of 1,500, so it looks like 7,000 total jobs. But that decision likely dates back to 2014. During an appearance at the North American International Auto Show in Detroit, GM Chairman and CEO Mary Barra said the automaker would not alter its global manufacturing strategy to comply with political pressure. Interesting. So she could have just said, sure. That's what it was. Uh, love and marriage, love and marriage, they go together like a horse and carriage. But... January is the divorce month, when things start to fall apart. Um, Data has found that divorce filings start to pick up in January, a trend that could be tied towards a rough holiday season. Filings peak in March, and then again in August, they start to decline for the fall. The right time to start separating your finances is a big decision when you do get a divorce. And, you know, I've personally seen a friend go through a pretty rough one in the Bay Area. I've seen a friend go through a pretty rough one up in Vancouver, Washington. Um, And it ended up, you know, there's a lot of finger pointing. There's a lot of words like theft, uh, premeditated. None of it's good. Do you know that there's an American Academy of Matrimonial Lawyers? That's crazy to me. What else do we have? Um, So, how do you handle the divorce Financially speaking, it's, it's, there's no status quo approach. Um, you know, did you merge assets? Did you uh, do that in your lifetime or not? So you want to read your divorce agreement for a list of tasks to prioritize and deadlines to meet. You really need to read your agreement very carefully. You want to remove your spouse from power. So if you've got a credit card that she was a joint member on, uh, the two of you need to separate that. So she gets her card, you get yours. Uh, you don't want your soon-to-be ex making um, powerful decisions like a healthcare decision for you. Maybe you do. I don't know. You want to start closing joint accounts. Um, this is all well and good, but you also have to do it this way. Honey, I'm not talking to you. We're getting into divorce. Well, honey, I need to tell you something. I'm not
3: talking to you. We're getting
2: worse. The well, that is a disbest serve code. Who thought about that? Uh, we have a joint account, honey, and we need to. I, we, you need to come up with a date to have it drop dead. And you need to say, like, don't go out and pull $5,000 out and get a, a boob job, or don't go pull $5,000 out and get a, a new down payment on a car. Um, I could use a little tightening here and there, a little lipo there and here. So you want to start eliminating liabilities, joint credit accounts. Uh, But you also want to start establishing new credit in your name as soon as you can. So you want to tweak your portfolio. When you're married, it's common to have a strategy based on the collective. When you're divorced, it's more like maybe you have longevity in your family and they didn't. So you want to revisit your cash flow. Things start to get expensive again. Instead of one rent, you're paying two. One mortgage, you're paying two. Um, so you always want to stay on top of that. So update your estate plan. Adjust your. Uh, your it's updating your estate plan is updating your fit. You know your beneficiaries. If you ultimately die, do you want your ex-spouse to get your life insurance policy, or your ex-girlfriend? It happens all the time. Anyhow, anyway, you can find me online at Rob Black Show, Twitter Rob Black Show, YouTube Rob Black Show. Got an event coming up in Berkeley. You, the free code to get in is retire123. It's Berkeley, February 9th from 11 to 1 at the Berkeley Marina. You can sign up at Rob Black Show, Twitter Rob Black Show, or sign up at robblackshow.com. <laughs>